John Lim here. We're moving forward with episode 440, and this is actually a reunion of sorts. Uh, I've got a friend of mine, a former colleague of mine from my past life, Jane McCampbell-Stewart. How are you today? I'm so well. It's so fun to reconnect with you after all. <laughs> Likewise, you look fantastic. I, I have to say, I just you haven't changed at all. So it, it, it's been, how long has it been, Jane? Uh, so... Uh, 13, 14 years, maybe? Yeah, at least. My gosh. Wow, it's been way too long. But I'm so glad we just recently, well, we've, I think we've been connected on the socials for a while, but I just reached out to you recently and uh, I wanted to uh, invite you to be on the podcast because you've you've had such an incredible journey and you're doing such incredible work now. And uh, just to reconnect uh, with, with an old friend and colleague. So I'm, I'm so glad to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Well, Jane, uh, I first of all, I love your office. Uh, I love the, it's just so calming. And I love the uh, the backdrop. But uh, tell moving forward listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do, uh, where you're from, or where you're located, and a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Uh, so I am Jane McCampbell-Stewart. Uh, I'm a licensed psychotherapist. I'm also a certified coach. Um, I'm a practitioner of energy psychology, um, and uh, I do a little bit of uh, spiritual con consulting uh, in the midst of all of that, too. Uh, you can probably tell from my accent, uh, I was born and raised in England, um, and then I moved to Minnesota uh, in the United States, and I was there uh, for 20 years, and that's where uh, we met mm -hmm. and we working uh, in corporate at that time. Um, and then just last year, my husband and I packed up a 20-foot U-Haul with car trailer and cats, and we drove north across the Canadian border through a little border crossing called Portal, which felt very significant. Uh, and then we drove all the way west, uh, and we now live on an island in British Columbia. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Congratulations. That's a lot. I mean, you, that's cool. I mean, Portal, uh, what what uh, you couldn't have picked a more symbolic name, right? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> it's interesting. You, you mentioned my office and my artwork because the picture behind me is really significant. Uh, so I put this picture on my wall um, several years ago um, and I didn't really know what it represented, but somehow I just told myself, I want to be able to work from home and I want to be able to look out on that view. Oh, wow. But, it's a vision board of thoughts that just kept me really guided. And yeah. then this year, uh, with our move, I finally did it. Oh, that's great. Well, uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, your career. Uh, I mean, what you do now is, is very different than what you did back when we were in corporate. So uh, could you share a little of that story? Yeah, yeah, I can. So uh, people say that it's different. So I was in uh, branding and marketing communications mm -hmm. when we worked together. Um, and uh, I then became a therapist. And so people say, well, that seems very different. But actually, branding and marketing communications is really working with a company on who we are and how we communicate uh, and how we relate to our customers, our employees, our competitors. Uh, and really what we do on a therapy level is just taking all of that and make it more personal. So who we are and how do we relate? How do we communicate to the important people in our lives? So really not too much of a stretch. You know, I never thought of it that way, but I, I think there's a lot of truth to that, especially since, you know, having worked with you, that was such a big part of what you did. Uh, you know, I, I worked in the field and then just you and I collaborated a few times and I, 
I can see that now, which is very clear now that you you put it that way. I never really thought of it through that through that lens. So that's really fantastic. Well, I mean, so what I mean, obviously, there's a connective tissue between what you do now and your prior career. But I would love to know, you know, what inspired you to take the step to make this more personal to to go into the psychotherapy and then into coaching. Yeah. So um, I think anybody who goes into becoming a therapist uh, is inspired by their upbringing, their family. And most of us, whether we realize it or not, we're going in with an intention to try and understand or fix our story. Yeah. Um, and actually, when I went back to graduate school to become a therapist, I had a full business plan to basically work with families that look just like mine and make them better. Um, and then as I did my work uh, and went through my, my therapy process, some, suddenly I didn't really need to do that so much anymore. Um, and my my work just became a lot, a lot more broad. Um, one of the uh, things I did myself as a client was uh, a practice called EMDR, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a process for, for healing trauma. And it was so life-changing that when I came out of school, I thought that is what I really want to be working on. Um, and so I trained as an EMDR therapist right out of school uh, and then went to every, every training uh, and conference I could possibly find to become um, a specialist in treating trauma and PTSD. For our listeners who may not be familiar, can you uh, define what EM, is it EMDR? Is that the acronym? Yes, sorry. Uh, it's uh, it's a, an acronym that stands for uh, Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing, uh, and it's uh, a empirically validated treatment for the uh for trauma and PTSD. Uh, so incredibly helpful for people with any nightmares, with any flashbacks, uh, with any kind of emotional reactivity as a result of having experienced a traumatic event. Um, EMDR is one of the uh, really good um, healing processes out there that uh, can help get you back on track. Oh, wow. So you mentioned, I mean, from that acronym, it, it, there's something related to eye movement. And can you maybe share a little of how that works? Uh, yeah, I can. So um the the eye movement piece it it comes out of um the process that happens during REM sleep or REM okay. sleep um so if you've ever watched your dog sleeping or a child sleeping you can see their eyes moving backwards and forwards and that's usually when we're dreaming um, and what's happening there for the brain is that it's taking all of the information that came in during the day and it's categorizing it and it's deciding where to stick it in the long-term memory library. And then in the morning we wake up and when that process is finished, all of those pieces should be firmly on the shelves in long-term memory and not cluttering up our short-term brain space. Oh, wow. Oh, that sounds really fascinating. And yeah, I mean, I know a little bit of uh, of the psychology and and the physiology of sleep, but to hear that connected to your your practice is really interesting to me. So I would love to know, Jane, I mean, because you had a really robust, successful career working in corporate. So, I mean, was there a specific catalyst? Was there a specific moment in which you decided, you know what, I want to take, you know, what I've done in the corporate world, make it more personal. And this is the the path that that I want to pursue. So I think so when I when I worked um, in in the UK, um, I I think I always wanted to do work like this, but um, mm-hmm. I thought you know I could I can't give up a lucrative corporate career to, to go back to school, um, and so in the UK I worked uh, on as a volunteer uh, for an organisation called the Samaritans, which uh, is uh, basically a suicide hotline, um, but because uh, back then certainly uh, mental health 
care was not as readily available as it is now. Um, the hotline tended to pick up a lot of that run of the mill anxiety, depression, um, general kind of support that people needed. Um, and I just loved my work on that. It was a great adjunct to my corporate work. Um, and then when I moved to the States, I started looking for something similar to, to, to do there. But um, the healthcare situation is so different in yeah. the States and so expensive and so political and so litigious uh, that you can barely move without having a master's degree in some kind of uh, mental health field. Um, and so uh, when I started looking around, I thought, well, if I'm going to actually have to get a master's degree in this, I might as well make it a career rather than uh, just keep it as this this volunteer sideline thing. So it kind of took off uh, from from there, uh, going back to school while I was still working. Um, and then uh, the company that we worked for were were fantastic with me. They um, said, yes, please, please stay in a part time consultancy role while you're in school, if you would. So uh, it actually allowed me to have my professional days while I was learning this whole new career, which uh, really I am so grateful for. Yeah. And as you mentioned earlier, I mean, there was a lot of connection between what you did in the corporate world and your practice. So I, I imagine there must have been a lot of the, the the experiences you had working for the company that also helped you as you were learning this other side of your practice or your future practice. There definitely were, and not just in terms of being in school, but also then in setting up my own practice and knowing how to run a business and, and all of those pieces were were enormously helpful. But there was actually a therapy process that I learned in school that I then brought to the corporate world um, that we did for uh, as a brainstorming uh, process to be able to do some strategic planning. So, Oh, yeah. Um, that's, yeah. I, I remember those days. <laughs> yeah, I, that actually came out of a therapy process. That I that I learned called solution focused therapy. Oh, I don't think I knew that. That is really cool. I, I I love to hear that, and it's just kind of bringing me back to those days. Well, well, Jane. So I would love to hear more about actually starting your own practice because I feel like that that is a huge step. You know, it, it's one thing to to switch careers; it's another to 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 actually spend the time and the energy going to school. Uh, what made you decide? I'm going to actually open up my own practice because I think that is such a big, bold move to make. Uh, yeah, I guess I kind of a little bit fell into it. Um, and so uh, once I I went through all the stuff with graduate school um, and then you you come out of graduate school and the, you've, you're, you're not done. You've still got to do so many hours and so much um, uh, so much supervision before you can fully get licensed in, in mental health. It's a really long, expensive journey. Oh, I know? imagine, yeah. Uh, so I was so grateful to be able to have the day job. And what I say to everybody now who's thinking about doing this, I say, keep the day job, mm -hmm. uh, partly just because when you're setting up a new business, you don't want the stress of all of that, uh, that money um, anxiety on it. And how am I going to pay the rent? You want that taken care of. Uh, but you also need days where you feel really competent. So on the days when you're doing the new thing and you don't feel very competent and it's kind of worrying, it's lovely to just wake up on a, on a, competent day and say oh I just get to go and do my day job today um so that was all incredibly helpful um I came out of uh when I'd graduated um I um had assumed that the place where I'd done my internship would take me on uh at which point they didn't and then I thought oh well you know what I'm really not wanting to go and work in some you know um difficult entry level therapy job um, and a friend of mine um, 
for my graduation party. She was actually a, a therapist herself. Um, I opened my card, my graduation card from her, and in it was a key to her office. And she said, you are welcome to have my office. On wow. I'm not there. <laughs> wow, that, that is quite a gift. It was such a gift. It was just beautiful. Um, and it just gave me this opportunity to be able to say, okay, well, I'm just going to try seeing what I can do, see if I, I can um, build up uh, a client load, um, see how this goes. Uh, if it works, I'll do it. If it doesn't, then, you know, I'll, I'll make another decision. Um, and then literally I was full by the end of the summer. Wow. Um, and then I had to find another office and add another day and gradually just kind of built it up from from that. So um, it was it, it was very experiential. Um, I, I had a, a, a philosophy, which was that I had to make space. If you want to create a new business, you have to make space in your right. life it um otherwise there's not space for people to be to come in so i thought okay i'm going to work on this day and if i have an hour when i don't have clients i'm still going to keep that really focused on the business just to make sure that it, i'm just putting out to the universe that i am ready and i'm open and i'm available for clients and then once i filled out that first day then i went to a second day and then i went to a third day uh until ultimately it's like okay i i can't do these two jobs anymore and right and, right and i think that was that's kind of that that critical point where you're at that crossroads right you have to decide yeah. kind of uh and that's a good problem to have i think it's it's it it, it shows that all the work and all the effort you put in I, I mean that's what it was all leading up towards but jane i would i would love for you to share um so and, and this is kind of a broad question so feel free to to you know, address it any way you like. But what would you say has been your biggest, or one of your biggest challenges to date, either in starting a practice in what you do today? I would love for you to share what that's like because I know as a as a psychotherapist, you're working with clients and helping them with their challenges. But I'd love for you to share, uh, you know, from your perspective, what are some challenges that maybe you deal with? Yeah, you know, I, I, honestly, I think um, the the biggest challenge that I've had since all of this started is actually probably um, the my divorce from my first mm. uh, first husband. Um, just at the time, um, being in the US when all of my family is back in Europe, uh, feeling very, very alone, uh, the whole healthcare situation, this idea of I work for myself, um, how do I get my healthcare covered? Um, and then this idea that my licensure was as marriage and family therapy. And so there's this expectation of, well, can't you fix yourself? Mm. Uh, and if you can't fix your own marriage, what are you doing in the field of marriage and family therapy? Um, and so all of those kinds of, of fears um, and that fear that all of us have of just, oh, you know, what if I'm going to be alone forever if, if I if, if I go ahead with this? So hugely, hugely challenging on so many levels, just um, personally, professionally and literally in terms of where I, I was in, in the world. Um, spoiler alert, um, I am now married to the most beautiful man on the planet and have the most wonderful life that I could never have even uh, imagined back then. But uh, it was really it was a it, it was a really scary, uh, courageous step to have to to have to make and to, to have to go through. And particularly since uh, I a lot of my 
uh, colleagues and community that I had uh, were all based on that that first marital relationship. So we met on business, we'd met in the company, a lot of people in the company knew each other. Um, and it was just a, a big uh, step in terms of who am I going to be uh, in the world? What is my identity going to be in the world on the other side of this? Yeah, I mean, that's a lot to to go through, especially as you're making this career change. What were some things that kind of helped you throughout? I mean, you mentioned you're in a situation where your family's far away, so that that must have been added uh, an added challenge. What what were some things that really helped you during that difficult period? Yeah, so I um I've always done done therapy, so I've had a bunch of different therapists in my life. Um, but my therapists had all been female, um, and I got some great mentors, and they'd all been female. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the middle of this, my therapist retired, um, oh. which <laughs> wow, it's really not not helpful. And I thought I'm not starting again with another therapist. But what I did do was I hired a coach. Okay. And I didn't just hire a coach. I hired a male coach. And the power of having a male champion um, to work with me on my life and designing my new life and getting there was so incredibly powerful and different from anything I'd uh, I'd done before. And that was a big piece of why I thought I need to add this coaching piece to my therapy practice because it, it is so, so different. The energy is so different. The, uh, the forward momentum is so different and the... Um, what was made possible as a result of it. Um, I, I'm just so, I'm so thankful for, for that coach that I had. So any women listening to it, to this, who are in this kind of situation, uh, get yourself a male life coach to just help you, help you through the way that was, that was probably the single most helpful thing that I did. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I appreciate you sharing that and especially, you know, sharing something so personal. Uh, Jane, I, I actually have a basic question for you. And this is something that will help me understand. I think it'll help other people understand. What is the difference between, say, a therapist and a coach? Yeah. Uh, so there's lots of different answers to that. The, the the short answers are generally that therapy is focused more on healing from the past, okay. whereas coaching is more about a, a forward momentum of what, oh, what wow. we want to design in the future. Um, and in the States, particularly when you have licensure and you have third-party payers for therapy, typically when somebody no longer meets symptoms for a diagnosis, the therapy is supposed to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's not so much um, opportunity for being able to launch people forward into a, a new life. Uh, now, of course, in private practice therapy and then in private practice coaching, there is this kind of overlap in the middle, which is is what I found, which is, am I doing therapy? Am I doing coaching? And uh, I would often find people who came for therapy really were ready for coaching and others who were coming for coaching needed their therapy, but didn't want to ah, do it. Interesting. <laughs> Um, so now actually what I do is I kind of do sort of an interesting hybrid of both. I call it therapeutic okay. coaching. Where okay. I'll sort of see, is there anything from the past that we need clearing out that is stopping you from taking your goals forward? And then let's, let's go, let's get that big, hot, sexy life that you've come to coach. <laughs> I think that's great. I mean, and, and as you mentioned, uh, when we started, I mean, you do both, you do both. So I, I love to hear that, to hear how you've kind of combined the two and, and actually I, I, you you know, for someone who maybe has never worked with a coach or a therapist before, I'd love for you to share if someone's listening to this and maybe they feel like they have some past trauma they haven't fully dealt with or they're feeling stuck and they don't know where to go next with their lives. What's a good starting point? And in terms of either finding a therapist, finding a coach or finding someone like yourself who does a little bit of both. 
Yeah, it's it's so hard to find uh, somebody. It's really important that you find somebody who's a fit. So I'd say just start asking. And, okay. and the hardest thing that we do is we don't want to ask for help. Uh, so just ask for help. And every time I've asked for help, it has come back to me in spades. So um, you even back with, with the divorce process, it's just like, okay, I put out a note to everybody I knew saying, this is where I'm at. Please invite me to dinner. Please invite me for a walk. Please invite me to a movie. Um, and then with healthcare, it's like, okay, I need a broker, I need help. Uh, so stop trying to think or shame yourself into thinking you should be able to do it all by yourself. There are people who do this and know how to do this, and they are so ready to help you. So if you haven't ever been to therapy, I'd say start with a with a therapist. Um, and uh, if you've done your therapy, and then um, go, go find a go find a life coach or an executive coach. It's just the experience, the energy, uh, the possibility is, um, is, it's just mind blowing. Um, I, just I love that. I, and, and I, it's something you mentioned, which I think is important. And I think it's important in all aspects of your life when you're working with a professional, whether it, it's your, you know, it's therapy, whether it's coaching, whether it's your finances it, is to make sure that the person's a good fit. So what, what are some basic questions you think a person should ask either a therapist or a coach or both to, to find out if that person's a good fit? Uh, you know, one of the things that I always suggest asking, which is a bit controversial, but I always say, ask them about their own work that they've done. Mm. So you don't want to see a therapist who's not done their own therapy. And you don't want to see a coach who's not done their own coaching and probably not done their own therapy either. It's really important to know that they've actually done their own work so that they can separate their agenda from, from what is there for you and be able to be there fully for you. So that's one of the things I do ask. Um, and if you get anybody being defensive or a bit fudgy, then just 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 move move right along. Um, then I think asking asking your friends, asking your friends for recommendations, who have they seen? Who's been really uh, really helpful? And then if the same name keeps coming up, then that's really uh -huh. good information. Um, and then if you find somebody that you really like, but they're maybe outside of your price point or uh, they're just not taking clients, you say, okay, who is like you who uh, you could refer me to? And so I personally have a list of some really gorgeous people that I trust uh, and I would see myself. And so if I can't get someone in, I will say, try one of these people, uh, they will fit for you. I think that's great. And I think that's also the mark of someone who's a true professional. Like if you're able to, recognize and have the humility to say, well, I'm not quite the fit for you, but I know someone who is. I think that to me, even if it doesn't end up being in in that client professional relationship, that carries a lot of weight with me. I think that's, and I think that's really a, a wonderful philosophy to have. Uh, Jane, um, I would love to know, speaking of the future, kind of what, what are you working on now? I know you just recently made a big move and uh, I, I'd love to hear and maybe give us a little bit of a peek behind the curtain as to kind of some things you have planned for the future. Yeah, so I'm um, moving a little bit away from the one-on-one -on -one work. I'm still keeping it, okay. but I'm wanting to just increase my reach world in a bigger way. Uh, and so one of the things that I'm working on now is uh, training coaches in how to recognize and treat trauma mm. um, because trauma is showing up in coaching practices and coaches are always very concerned about staying in their lane and oh, I shouldn't sure. be doing Piece. but uh, trauma is there it's I mean it's impacting all of us it's impacting our health it's impacting our relationships um, and it shows up in so many ways and we really saw that through uh, through COVID and how right. so many people's trauma got triggered 
Um, and so I'm just doing um, a series of, of trainings right now for uh, four coaches on how to recognize uh, trauma in their practice, how to treat what they can treat, and then how to refer uh, what they need to refer on. So that's one big thing that I'm doing. Um, another big thing that I'm doing is that I've um, I've developed a, a protocol a protocol called healing the birth story. Okay. And so, um, this is about taking uh, our current selves back to observe the time and place of our birth, and be able to see what was going on at the time that we came in with that might still be impacting us today so a lot of us carry around these narratives of I'm not wanted or I don't belong or I'm not good enough or I shouldn't be here um, and they impede us from showing up in the work um, and so often they can be traced back to what was going on around the time of our conception mum's pregnancy with us and our birth story and we came in with these narratives and then we carry on playing them out today and actually maybe it wasn't about us not being wanted maybe we just arrived in the middle of a really inconvenient time and place uh, and everybody just had a lot on their plate um, and so being able to restore some of that uh, birth trauma work or, or our story of how we came into being and then how that affects how we show up today so I do that on an individual basis I do that on a group basis uh, and I'm also teaching coaches how to facilitate that oh, process. that's exciting I, I love it you're just taking what you've already gained from your practice and just sharing that knowledge and in increasing the amount of people who can do this kind of work I think that's pretty incredible Jane uh, where can uh, our listeners find you learn more about you your practice and all of that good stuff uh, yeah so the main place is probably my website which is therapyjane.com uh, I am on the socials I'm on uh, Facebook and uh, LinkedIn uh, but uh, I probably need to hire somebody to really help me get it there. So, <laughs> don't we all <laughs> Uh, so yeah, therapyjane.com uh, is my my main place and you can contact me through that. You can also see which training offerings I've got coming up and then you can also um, book a one-on-one -on -one session with me. So I do do uh, just one-time sessions. If somebody just wants to, to work on one specific thing, they can just book me for 75 minutes and I will clean up as much as I can in the moment. Um, and then I do also the ongoing coaching uh, and then like I say, the, the group sessions and the training. So any of those, um, very, very happy. And I do some consulting and mentoring too for other people in the field. What don't you do, Jane? <laughs> it's like, I, I love this. I love that you have taken your passion and now you are finding so many different channels and avenues to help others, both fellow practitioners, but also people who need therapy and coaching. So really, really wonderful. And this will all be on the website. Uh, you know, the uh, the write-up will be at bemovingforward.com. So moving forward listeners, if you want to check out Jane's work, we'll have her website. We'll have links to her, uh, all the great information that she's mentioned. Well, Jane, I want to thank you so much. I know you have a really busy day today, but I really want to thank you for taking time out to share with me a little bit of insight into your practice, how you got there, and also to catch up. This has been long overdue. It's been beautiful. Thank you. It's so delightful to hear from you and, and to participate in your podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, likewise. And again, Moving Forward listeners, check it out, 440, which is at bemovingforward.com. You can find the write-up for today's episode at bemovingforward.com. The views expressed by any featured guests are not necessarily those of the host, the program, or affiliates. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and bemovingforward.com. All rights reserved.